In my three decades of practicing medicine, I have seen an increase in infertility, in ADHD, in PCOS, in uh, cancers at younger and younger age, earlier and earlier menopause, and increased symptomatic menopause, as well as increases in Alzheimer's and dementia. Specifically related to pesticides and herbicides use, we've seen prior rare cancers like liver and biliary cancers on an exponential increase correlating with the use of pesticides and herbicides. So the food we eat matters. It's not about calories in equals calories out. It's what we eat, how was it grown, what's its micronutrient content, and what we're eating ate or was injected with or sprayed on these are factors that affect our metabolism. Girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you were meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. Our food systems are actually on fire. Well, what does that mean? I'll share that with you in this episode. You'll hear from experts from NASA, from uh, integrative and longevity medicine, as well as real solution-based innovators in creating feeding, feeding the planet. So what's happened to our food chain? How has it been disrupted? Let me tell you, I am blown away by the technology that's coming and that is already out there and that's developed. But what does that mean for our food? And what it, when food is medicine, how does that affect our health? Well, in this special episode of the Girlfriend Doctor Show, I am bringing you the panel discussion that I was part of in Paris at the Women in Tech Global Summit 2022. And it's really powerful. There are, my goodness, for sure, a underrepresented, women are an underrepresented minority in the tech and engineering space in STEM. So science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and medicine falls right along in there too and certainly engineering. One of the um, global advisory board members for this Women in Tech Global Summit is Dr. Crystal Johnson. And she's the director, deputy um, center director, I'll tell you exactly, the deputy center director for technology and research investments at NASA. And she you know, really did an amazing job in cultivating this conference with the executive board president and CEO, Ayumi Moore, Aoki, who is just an amazing heart-centered individual, really wanting to inspire more women in the space, plus um, diversity, uh, 
equality and inclusion. So these were topics of discussion. We had women from uh, Dubai, from the United Arab Emirates, from South America, from really pretty much every continent, every continent except for Antarctica represented at the summit, women and men coming and speaking together. You will love this discussion that we had about food systems on fire. You guys have known me and my mission here at the Girlfriend Doctor Club and that I am all about empowering you to be the physician of your body, to the, be the CEO of your own health and, and how powerful that is to do. You know, I'm in my fifth decade of life now, but I can reflect back into my teens and into my 20s, traveling around the world, as well as in my three decades in medicine. Well, on a global scale, we note a pandemic of obesity, metabolic dysregulation, and we are here together concerned for food, for our future, for our future generations. We have to look at this and we start, it starts with us. It starts with the choices that we make as individuals. What are we putting on our table? What are we ordering? What are we buying? What are we paying with our dollars? And also understanding we are what we ate right? The food we ate, but also what the food we ate, ate or was sprayed with. And this is causing huge hormonal disruptions. It's one of the reasons that America is the most obese nation. That is not a number one position to have. We are the most obese nation with metabolic uh, imbalances, mitochondrial insufficiencies, all disorders of metabolism, such as diabetes and heart disease and hypertension and high cholesterol and dementia. And these are things that we cannot no longer stand for. So we have learned over these past few decades that it's not about calories in equals calories out. Oh my goodness. More importantly, it's the quality, the cleanliness and the micronutrient value of the food that we eat that matters most. If we consider back to the travesty of, of things that have been administered that have even been FDA approved like DES. You guys, if you didn't listen to my uh, episode on first do no harm in the girlfriend doctor show, please go back and listen to that one because I do go deep into third generation science looking at DES and, and how that affect not just the first generation with vaginal cancer showing up in eight-year-old girls, but also with infertility in men, infertility in women, reproductive cancers, and into the third generation with gender identity confusion. Hormone disruptors that are in our food chain are a crisis. It is a crisis, and we need to really be aware of what we're allowing, what we're ignoring that is part of our water, part of our food, part of our fertilizer. With the war in Ukraine right now in Russia, you know, there's many economic considerations. We're seeing it at our gas pumps, but more importantly, the I, I didn't know this, the number one uh, country where we get our fertilizer ash from is from the Ukraine. So how are we gonna be affected as far as being able in agriculture to grow healthy food and the food that we are choosing to grow, that matters too, that matters too. So these are red flags. And I think this is what I really wanna share with you in this conversation here at the Food Systems on Fire panel that we did at Women in Tech. Let me know what you think and I wanna hear your questions. So let me, let's just jump right into the Food Systems on 
buyer panel. It includes Terry Cochran. It includes um, who is the author of Wildatarian. I also did a girlfriend doctor show with her not too long ago and one a, a couple years ago when her book came out. And also from NASA, John Bolton, and from Food Cloud, Aben, who is from Ireland and created a way to utilize food that would otherwise be wasted to bring that to people who need it the most. You guys will love this panel. Here we go. And I'm really enlivened to see that we will have superhuman capability because the subject matter that we're ready to talk about is going to require the same. Food systems on fire. And I'm going to ask my panel to introduce themselves because they have such diverse backgrounds. But what we are about to embark on in this dialogue requires diversity and collaborative thinking and action so we can move this very, very important global crisis to a different place. John, would you like to start? Thank you, Terry. So my, I wear a lot of hats. So probably my, well definitely my most important hat, and my most fun hat is being, being a father. Several, several of you have met my daughter Lily uh, this week. And I just want to give a, a thank you to Iomi and the Women in Tech Conference for making this happen, all your hard work to, to get us here. And my hope for Lily is that she just remembers a little bit of this, just being in the presence of all these fantastic, empowered women. It's, it's, it's really amazing. So what I do is I am the Associate Program Manager for Water Resources at the NASA Goddard Space Flight Center. I'm a research scientist, I'm a hydrologist. So essentially I study water, where is the water, where isn't the water. And this is very tied, closely tied to agriculture. And I'm also leading NASA's International Water Strategy. Thank you. Even? Hi everybody, um, my name is Eben O'Brien, I'm from Ireland um, and I'm the co-founder of a social enterprise uh, that redistributes food from the food industry to community organisations. Uh, we work in Ireland, in the UK, um, and in Slovakia and Czech Republic. Wonderful. And lastly? I am a triple board certified OBGYN and I, when Terry and, and Dr. Crystal Johnson invited me to talk about food systems on fire, I was like, we're going to talk about food? That is one of my favorite topics. Count me in because I studied medicine and I came to realize that food is medicine and that is our first medicine. And so um, that's what I'm happy to address today. Thank you all. Well, my name is Terry Cochran and I'm the Global Sustainable Health Institute founder. And food is everything to me because food was killing my son and food has saved my son. And I left an institutional risk management career to form a completely different model in personalized medicine. So we need to look at the changing trajectory of our world because it is changing at an alarming rate and food systems sit at the center of the dangerous and deleterious changes in climate, in our collective economy, in our collective health, and the trajectory of the longevity of the planet itself. I'm gonna share with you some dramatic facts, as I call, I call them, dramatic facts that are true and they're ever increasing in their acuity. Food production, storage, and waste currently contributes to 35% of total man-made emissions. That's more than the transportation sector and by the year 2050, they will represent 70% of total emissions. Dr. Gita Sethi, a global lead 
Food Systems of the World Bank, who couldn't be with us today, shared some information with us. And she reports that a recent US panel on climate change reveals that we're moving towards a 2% increase in temperatures. That accounts for a 35% decrease in yields in Africa. These rising temperatures in part are contributing to climate refugees that Tenzin Selden spoke about yesterday. And in the next 50 years, we could have almost a billion climate refugees. That because in part, as temperatures increase, the soil can no longer hold the seeds, nor can it sustain the hot sun. And natural disasters are wiping out those crops that have been planted and grown. Our two major carbon sinks, the Amazon rainforest and our oceans are also at risk. We've lost 20% of the Amazon. And now some parts of the Amazon will contribute to more carbon emissions than they absorb. And in the next 50 years, we are expected to have more plastic in our oceans than we do fish. That's scary. That's another food source that is being depleted. Three billion people, almost one in three people, are hungry and malnourished. And for those of us that can access food, we may be overfed but undernourished because our current food system is on a model built on caloric sufficiency and not nutrient density. This industrialist way of growing food has arguably created a deleterious shift in our microbiome, which is shifting our microbiome. And so we've gone into a state of chronic autoimmune disease with diabetes and obesity. And let's focus on obesity for a minute. One out of four persons in the US cannot meet the eligibility requirements for military service because of obesity alone. That's a national security crisis. And the COVID pandemic really illustrated how obesity has a ripple impact on our global world. Obese individuals were three times more likely to be hospitalized in countries with high obesity rates. The mortality rate was 50% higher. And obesity doesn't just stop there. Because of the obesity rate, we are now facing lost productivity, increased healthcare costs on a healthcare model that is already burdened, so it actually imp impacts our GDP. And 1% increase in food costs will create another 10 million in poverty. So this sounds all pretty grim, and we don't have a long time to turn this around. But our experts here will tell us that we have the minds, the processes, and the technologies already in place to shift this. And so Dr. Johnson spoke earlier this morning on NASA's amazing capability to put, and your global partners, to forge public-private partnerships. So I'd like, John, for you to talk a little bit about water and soil, which is so important to our global pandemic crisis, as I call it in the food systems on fire and how we might be able to put forth some differences in how we grow and, and seed food. No pressure, no pressure, Terry. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm gonna start with this apple. We just had lunch. And so imagine this, this apple is Earth. The skin of this apple is thinner than our atmosphere would be in this apple of the Earth. And why this is interesting for many reasons, but one is that astronauts call this, when they go into space and they view the Earth from space, they call it the thin blue line. You see the, the, the atmosphere from a distance. 
and it's called the overview effect. This is a cognitive shift in their thinking. It's a paradigm shift. They change their way of thinking, our whole world changes, just from having a different perspective of the planet Earth. Okay, so this is also important because if I took a bite of this apple right now, the luxury of having this apple right here is something that one-third of the people on this planet do not have. That simple fact just blows my mind. So we leverage, NASA leverages this unique perspective vantage point from space to help monitor global agriculture, global water, and help improve our management of these resources. So let's go back a few years. So the 1946, 76 years ago, was the first picture ever taken of the planet Earth. And some folks in California threw a black and white camera onto a Delta II rocket, and they got lucky. When it came back down, they saw they had a picture of the planet Earth, and they were like, oh, this is crazy. So let's fast forward just a few years to now. What can we do now? We can tell the height of a reservoir within the accuracy of inches actually centimeters, three centimeters. We can detect the movement of water in space. We can detect, not just if there's a tree here, but the type of tree, the type of vegetation, the type of crops, the health of these crops from space. And why this is important is that agriculture is a global enterprise, right? Everything is related. If there's an agricultural drought in Eastern Africa, how is that going to impact the people in that region? And how can the proper resources be provided to those people? It's also interesting, in 1946 was the year of the ENIAC computer. This was essentially, they call it the first quote-unquote general-purpose computer. It was larger than this, this stage. I don't think it would fit on the stage. It was 80, 80 feet wide with 18,000 vacuum tubes, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. My cell phone here is more than 230 times fast, million times faster than the, in the ENIAC computer. So we've made all those changes in just 76 years. So NASA's role in all of this is to enable science, enable informed decision-making related to global agriculture productivity, monitoring, and distribution. That's beautiful, John, thank you. So enabling and cooperation and collaboration can get us within three centimeters of exactly knowing where we're supposed to be from a water perspective. That's, that's amazing, thank you. I think so, thank you. <laughs> Now, even you're the founder of Food Cloud, and I believe sometimes we get overcomplicated in the way that we think we have to build something from scratch, and you've taken something that already existed and deployed it so elegantly, but simple in its application. Can you share with the crowd what Food Cloud is doing to feed the world in a novel, yet using existing resources? Yeah, so some of the stats around the problem that we're trying to solve is that 30, now recent research says 40% of food produced globally is wasted. And obviously in a world where resources are scarce, that's a complete waste of resources. Um, if food waste were a country, it would be the third largest emitter of global greenhouse gas emissions after the US and China. Um, and we use a quarter of the water resources to grow food that is never actually eaten. So uh, th that is the problem that we set up Food Cloud to solve in a very small way initially. Um, right? Because at the same time, people don't have enough to eat or are living in some kind of um, food poverty. 
so uh, we started in 2013 with one Tesco supermarket in Dublin and we matched it with a charity in the local area so you know you know the, the problem of the stores that they have food that they can't sell the problem of the charity is that they're working to provide support for people in the community that need it and we essentially were bringing them together um, so we developed a technology platform, Tesco was our big break, we, we scaled across Ireland with Tesco and a lot of the other retailers came on board and essentially what the technology does is the supermarket is always going to have some food that it can't sell. Through our technology platform it uploads details of what's available and that generates a message to the community groups that have registered with us on the platform and the charity goes directly to the store to pick up the food. So it's a very simple, but what really inspires me is that it's a very local solution to a global problem. Um, and so small actions of a store manager or a local after-schools club are actually coming together and having a global, a global transformation. So we started, we scaled across Ireland and then we, uh, our technology has been used in the UK and now more recently in Czech Republic and Slovakia, but always in partnership with existing NGOs. So uh, in the UK we work with Fair Share, in, in Czech, our Czech Republic and Slovakia we work with NGOs there. They have been doing something like this, so they've been taking surplus and redistributing it out, but they've never used technology. Uh, you know, they're primarily driven by volunteers, um, they've been around for many years. So say for example in the UK, our partner there through using our technology increased their impact by 30% in two years. So I suppose what we're doing is very simple, it's very action oriented, it's not going to solve all of the world's problems um, and it's definitely not going to solve you know, the ultimate problem of food waste but it's it, what we're doing is trying to raise awareness through action and um, you know, through working with us people do understand the value of food you know, and the impact of food waste. So we started with one store and now through our four countries we're redistributing about the equivalent of a million meals a week across the four countries. And there's just opportunity to do a lot more because we're, we're really only scratching the surface. But I suppose that's how we're taking, you know, a small action at a local level, but, but that can have global impact. That's just brilliant. I just want to pause for a moment. One third of our global food is wasted and one quarter of our global water use goes to wasted food. And her company's brilliant solution, simple in its application, using technology, and so I just want to illuminate all the bright minds here of Women in STEM, because they use technology to take something that was pretty simple in its distribution, but create a global community. And so our Women in STEM can help fortify this food that becomes wasted, which then ends up on landfills. We also have an emissions aspect to this. So I think this is one of the most brilliant solutions I really want to applaud even in her company for doing that. All right, Dr. Anna, food is everything. I, we, you know I call food the alpha and the omega, and our current food system with its herbicides and pesticides, and especially glyphosate, which is still used in over 100 countries, which we now know is a known carcinogen, is particularly impacting women's endocrine system as this is the Global Women in Tech Summit. I'm sure these women want to know what it's doing to them. Yeah, and this is such a huge topic. I heard Elon Musk say the other day, he said it's not a matter of when AI will take jobs. It's, a matter, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. 
And so as we saw also during the pandemic, there's a food crisis. So what Aiken's doing in providing food, it matters that the quality of the food we're eating. In my three decades of practicing medicine, I have seen an increase in infertility, in ADHD, in PCOS, in cancers at younger and younger age, earlier and earlier menopause, and increased symptomatic menopause, as well as increases in Alzheimer's and dementia. Specifically related to pesticides and herbicides use, we've seen prior rare cancers like liver and biliary cancers on an exponential increase correlating with the use of pesticides and herbicides. So the food we eat matters. It's not about calories in equals calories out. It's what we eat, how was it grown, what's its micronutrient content, and what we're eating ate or was injected with or sprayed on these are factors that affect our metabolism, that are actual obesogens. And we have had an exponential increase. One thing that I'm really fond of saying is that longevity starts in the womb. And we've had research looking at cord blood. Cord blood that's shown 287 chemicals. Wait, 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 hold on a second here. 287 chemicals? Hey, I'm an obstetrician. The safest place to be on earth is in the womb. That's the safest place to be on earth. 287 chemicals. The CDC, Centers for Disease Control in the US, identified over 100 of them as toxic. We know also through the um, research looking at uh, hormone disruptors uh, exposure such as DES, diethylstilbestrol, that was widely used and toted to be a anti-miscarriage drug and advertised to prevent uh, to ensure a full-term pregnancy. Well, it didn't work, but from 1938 to 1971, it was on the market, and it was encouraged by physicians to give to their patients. There's approximately 10 million uses of it in the United States. We now know, and this specifically from a French study, looking at third generation, so not just the moms who were given the DES, this endocrine disruptor, their babies started showing up, young girls at eight years old, with vaginal cancers, and boys with testicular abnormalities, undescended testes, cancers, and fertility rates decreased in that population. As well, their kids, so the third generation, their kids, so the mom's grandchild, also increases in the infertility, cancers, of, and other metabolic diseases. That's huge, three generations. That's according to our research today. Now, these types of exposures are still in some way going on because they're in our food chain mm -hmm. and they're excreted in our urine. They're put into our water systems. So beyond what we're eating, it matters. And empowering our human physiology to remove those toxins is key, but also eliminating that toxic exposure. So it's responsible women in tech, as responsible men in tech. We have to look, we have to forward think, how are we providing good, nutrient-rich food? Because food is medicine. Food can improve your health or it can destroy your health. And it actually blows me away to be here today on this stage 
with these amazing colleagues of mine and this mission here with all of you because not maybe 13 years ago that I wanted to die every day. I was diagnosed with early menopause, infertility, and I was told I would never be able to have another child again. And that was devastating. My doctor's bag was empty at that time. And I basically went around the world looking for answers. And as a result of that, and food as medicine and God's guidance, I reversed my early menopause, became pregnant and delivered a baby at 41. I'm now 55 with a grandbaby that I delivered. And it just blows me away. Food is medicine. Using food, using natural solutions is empowering to our physiology. Did, has anyone here experienced burnout? Yeah, a little bit. We've got a lot to do. We are highly driven, right? We have a pur purposes in our lives. And, and especially in this last two years where we've had a isolation phenomenon that contributes to burnout and creates a physiologic disruption. And so with that, we have to re-empower our lifestyle and our food as medicine to heal our bodies, to empower ourselves, because you burning out is not serving your purpose, is not serving your family, is not serving your world. But it starts with each of us individually. And until I figured that out, you know, it was really, really hell. <laughs> so that is, you know, that's really what I want to share, what I write about and what I'm passionate about influencing others to take the power back over your physiology. So many times you're given a diagnosis. Your diagnosis is not your destiny. The prescription you're given is not your description. We can use holistic, natural methods to reverse many of these metabolic conditions and eliminate the obesogens from our society. First step is awareness. Thank you so much, Anna. Did you all hear that? Food is our medicine. It can also be our poison. Some of the statistics and sharings that Anna just shared with us move on and on and on down the ripple effect where we have hermaphroditic fish now in our oceans that then bleach the coral reefs, which then kill the lives, the life in the sea. So we have just a few years. We've been told as little as nine years to turn this around. It's daunting, but Kennedy said, let's put a man on the moon, and he did it in less than 10 years. How did he do that? Collaboration and cooperation and action. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to ask each of these panelists to have a takeaway for each of you on what we should be doing, what they can do, how you can talk to them, after this panel is over and take it home with you and make our world livable so that Dr. Todd's stem cells in our longevity to be ageless, that we can actually be ageless on this planet. All right, so John, what can NASA <laughs> and its global partners do to help us? Oh, okay. So, well, I want to go back to my daughter, my Lily. By the time she's nine, so by the time she's my age, there will be an additional 2.2 billion people on this planet. We're going to hit 200. We're going to hit 10 billion people. So it's estimated that in in order to to sustain support, an additional 2.2 billion people will need to more than double our food production on the planet. 
unless we embrace solutions like we're talking about here. So my point here is we need to embrace technology. Okay, we need to connect with ideas and connect through activities like this. And the idea of NASA supporting this is so cool. So my, my sales pitch is so easy. I love it. It's basically a win for us is enabling change, you know, being stewards of change to, to help foster um, improved decision making, um, women in tech, women in science. So we were going a lot of activities tied to um, uh, communicating, teaching, building capacity, and supporting these activities. So I'm incredibly excited to do this. And I want to just end on a note of, of, of hope because in a short 76 years, we've come so far. With today alone in this room, we've seen so many crazy, wonderful, amazing <laughs> technologies. And, can, and they're all at our fingertips. And going back to the ENIAC really quickly, an untold story was the people who ran the ENIAC were a team of, of they were called the ENIAC girls. And you know what? They were never recognized once, ever, in the media. So, and it's, the world is changing. And I think it's, it's our job to, to help agriculture through that. So thank you so much. Let's do it. Thank you. Okay, so if I had a couple of takeaways, one is that in relation to food waste, because that's my purpose, 70% um, of food is actually wasted in the home. Uh, so if you go home, a lot of people think if I waste this, it's a waste of money, but it's actually a major contribution to climate change. And it's the one thing that we can take action on three times a day, and it's actually delicious. So, you know, I would encourage you to look in your fridges and, you know, and to really be more conscious that food waste equals climate change. Um, and it's, a it's been put forward as in one of the number one solutions to reversing the impacts of climate change. So that would be one thing. In terms of, I suppose, any budding entrepreneurs out there, um, we started this as a college project without like a huge um, ambition for this. We, we actually thought we'd pass it on to the students coming behind us. Um, but once we started, it just started growing and growing momentum. Um, so I would say to any budding entrepreneurs to just take action, take that small step from here and do something because once you start, you will be amazed at the energy that comes behind it, especially if it's doing something that can support, uh, you know, something around climate, social justice. There just is a wealth of support out there. So I would tell you to get started because what we have started as a college project, we now have 75 employees, a thousand volunteers, you know, and it's given more to us than we could ever have imagined when we, when we took that first step. So I would encourage you just to get started. Um, and finally, if there's any funders out there or people working in big companies, the big challenge that tech for good or social enterprises have is that, you know, we're not going to have a million users. Uh, we're not going to generate loads of return. We do know that we can have really good impact and we can scale it. And a big challenge for people working in tech for good is, is that the funding isn't always behind um, isn't always there. So I really, that's our biggest challenge in how we can scale beyond what we're currently doing. So I suppose I would encourage, you know, the foundations to really try and partner meaningfully with proven technologies that need to scale. 
Um, and that's my, my word. I've been really inspired by what I've seen. And if anybody would like to discuss food waste further, especially over dinner, uh, I'll be ready for chat later on. <laughs> that I want to share with you. I'll start with a proverb. It's a very old proverb and it says when you have your health, you have a thousand wishes. When you don't have your health, you have but one. Right? To have your health. So I say remember these three things. Look up, look in, look out. So look up. We're part of a bigger purpose. We're a collective. There's a higher purpose and for whatever that means for you. And it's also that you're not alone. You are worthy of the time you invest in yourself. So look in. How are you caring for yourself? Your most important commodity, the cathedral of your spirit. And as a mom of five, I will tell you, we tend to look and make sure everyone else is okay. Until you are okay, they, they won't be okay. You have to be okay first. And that creates a higher energetic vibration and you become more magnetic and at peace and happier. You encourage the hormones serotonin and oxytocin. Physiology affects our behavior. Look in. How are you nourishing yourself? What food, what water are you drinking? The highest quality and emphasizing that it's important. It is not calories in, calories out. And remember that food is medicine. Look in to your psychological and spiritual well-being, to the practices that bring you at peace, lowering cortisol, increasing oxytocin, a physiologic change, remove endocrine disruptors, don't drink out of plastic, remove the plastic lids, use reusable, drink out of stainless, when you're cooking, don't cook on Teflon, use stainless steel or cast iron, all that the reducing exposures make a difference. By the time a woman leaves the house, she's estimated to have put on 187 chemicals on her body or something like that from the cosmetics, the hair, the perfume, the makeup. Now I like to choose my toxins, don't get me wrong, but we also need to detox from that. So look out. Look out at how your actions are affecting those around you in your society and how you're contributing into the lives of others. And as women in tech, you are uniquely gifted to make a human impact that far surpasses anything we've seen up until this time. Understanding the physiology, the physiological effects of what is in our food chain, what is in our systems, and removing that, standing up against it, creating other technological solutions that empower, empower providing food, feeding a table, setting a table for a billion people, what will be on that table? We have the choice today to make a difference, to make a change. So look up, look in, and look out. Thank you, that was just amazing. And I want to leave you all with one thought. The power of one. We are a cell on this vast universe. And our cell, the way that our cell behaves, reflects the multitude of cells, which is our planet, which is the multitude of cells, which is our Milky Way, which is the multitude of cells, which is our universe. We are all connected. Every decision we make has a ripple impact on the person next to you and maybe that planet far beyond what we even know today. Thank you.
It's pretty fascinating when you get a group of people together that are so passionate about what is in our food chain and using food as medicine, providing for people that are less fortunate, and also standing up for technology and economic development, agriculture that keeps our food clean and our water pure. The power of this beginning conversation is epic. You guys, be sure to be following my email because there's another conference, Women in Tech Global Summit, that will be in the United States in February. And I plan to be there. I've already been invited to be a speaker. It will be in Orlando, Florida, in conjunction with Disney. And you know, it's going to be amazing, especially when it comes to technology, design, creativity. And if you've got children, you're definitely going to want to incorporate them into this type of learning experience and exposure. Certainly for me, it was phenomenal. So join me to continue to have this conversation. At The Girlfriend Doctor, we talk about four pillars to nourish our body, and that is what comes in our body as food, as nourishment, how we focus on our thoughts, certainly that's key. I know from a supplement creator, like I created my own supplements because there was nothing that had the quality standards that I required for myself, and more importantly, for my family, for my children, and for my children's children, because it passes on, at least through the third generation. And there are some toxins in our system that we really don't know how we'll ever get rid of them. So let's stop creating more. We have to do this together. The second part is shine, beauty from the inside out and the outside in. When we are having skin issues, when we are having hair issues, it's an underlying issue that we always have to address. And again, it starts with how we're nourishing our body, the food, and also what we put on our skin, what we put on our hair. And again, that is why I'm so careful in particular with my products like my Jolva uh, formula and Kiss formula for our lips and the Beauty Locks formula for our hair, the Balance Hormonal Cream with progesterone, pregnenolone, tripeptide, and essential oils to balance out the dysfunctional hormonal changes that we are at risk for now more than ever. And then of course, awaken. So the food systems on fire really comes into this pillar to awaken our mind, to have a conversation about what's out there, what's good for us and what's not. And then finally embrace, because when we have healthy relationships, that's what life is all about. We're healthier, happier, and have longer, healthier, even better quality of life. And we do that together, not in isolation. When we are feeling isolated, when we are feeling anxious, when we are feeling depressed, moody, we have to look back to the root cause, healing from the inside out and doing things that bring us pleasure, like connecting with others, learning from others. So that's why I'm doing this for you. This is certainly a labor of love and I'm glad to be your girlfriend doctor. So join me next time. Till then, it's Dr. Anna Kabeca.